Hello there, creatures, and welcome to another episode of Encounter This. I am your host, James, Nobody Likes Me Kid, and with me, as always, is Freeman, Everybody Hates Me, Ice Tin, and he's feeling a little sad today, apparently. <laughs> Did not read that nickname ahead of time. Uh, today, my good, good buddy is going to be taking us through the spawn of Kius from Bullo's Guide to Monsters on page 192. Now, Freeman... We discussed this earlier, but I don't even think I've ever seen this page in Volos before. Uh, and because I've had a very busy week, I have not done any of the, the required reading or research. Uh, normally, I at least skim these documents. I am just opening it now. We, so we have required I research? Hope you're ready. <laughs> uh, well, I normally just skim the documents okay. before we start. Sure. <laughs> I've, uh, I've kind of given up on doing that. <laughs> I, mean, I remember doing it when we started, but I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going in blind. <laughs> Well, that's that's fair. I respect that. Yeah. I don't have that kind of confidence. I mean, I follow along, and I do read ahead a little bit as we're going when we have the have a, have the oh. opportunity. But uh, but yeah, I cannot read and listen to save my life. Oh I can no, do just about anything else and listen, but I can't read and listen. Oh, I mean, I can I can read uh, as you're describing the thing that I'm reading. I don't really have too much issue with that, I guess. But oh. I mean, reading and listening yeah. in general, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> Attention spans aside, <laughs> uh, I also well, I don't think I've ever seen this page in Volus Guide. I mean, I'm sure I've seen it, but like, definitely never read this creature. I had no idea who it was, and it's worth mentioning that this is a, a Patreon uh, ten dollar tier request. Uh, this, oh, yeah, excellent. Hmm. So this comes from Gabriel uh, over from a, a, another podcast. Is a, a DM advice and. Uh, community question podcast essentially called interparty conflict and we have a mutual listener peace joy pancakes who basically put us in touch said gabe you should listen to these guys and you guys you should listen to, to gabe and his buddy jeff and uh so we got in contact and and uh, i ended up actually guesting on one of their episodes which should be out by the time this episode is dropped already i don't know what the title is going to be i think it's going to be episode like 241 or so for them and um, okay. uh, sadly they'll be finishing the show pretty soon uh, but uh, they've been going are you through... allowed to announce that uh, I mean uh, they've announced it already so oh, okay. um, got it yeah I just want so, to make sure you're sure, not breaking that's, any that's news totally there. fair yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the, I mean it's, I'm quite sure they have um, but they've been going for like about five years or so and they're gonna end on a two 250 episode milestone which is really something really really Should we cool. all be so lucky right yeah and uh they've uh, they've done lo loads of giveaways on their their show and uh and uh, like i said they do, it's basically built almost completely around uh, community driven questions so it's a uh, really cool stuff i've listened to a couple a few of their episodes and i've listened to snippets of other ones and uh they've got some really cool insights and whatnot so i highly recommend it i'm sure it's just going to sit there on the airwaves for a while and and uh, for everyone to check out so uh definitely recommend um and obviously check out the one yeah, that i'm gonna be we'll on. have and we'll have links to that and their um, their feed in the show notes Heck so you yeah. can go check out that specific episode or uh, wh whatever mm. episode you would like. Big thank you to Gabe and Jeff for sponsoring this episode. Heck yeah. And uh, they um, they uh, were very generous enough to to subscribe to our Patreon and, uh, and let me shamelessly self 
promote and plug like nobody's business on the episode. <laughs> it was awesome. That's, that's how marketing works. Yeah, it was great. So, uh, but anyways, um, we'll have to have them on to return the favor for sure. Yes, uh, I look forward to it. He did uh, originally. Gabe had picked a, a different creature that uh, was uh, um, a, a bit like was going to turn into an accidental mini sweet like Elithids did. <laughs> and uh, but we oh, we <laughs> we had an idea of maybe uh, when he does have the time, perhaps in the new year that he might guest host on, on our show and uh, help us present said creature. But in the meantime, I, I asked him to, uh, to choose a, a, another one uh, to, for the filler, and uh, he chose the spawn of Qs. And right, um, Freeman, how does one spawn a Qs? <laughs> that's a very good question. It's worth mentioning that the pronunciation, that's really weird. He, he told me a different pronunciation that he, he had interpreted, uh, but this pronunciation we're going with comes from Forgotten Realms Wiki, which is pretty uh, standard for for us at this point um when it is available but uh Kius, uh, uh is what we're going with um so yeah let's get into it uh and we're going to start by talking about who or what Kius is um since these are the spawn of said entity now Kius was a high priest and necromancer that was in service to the demon lord orcus master of the undead the blood god. <laughs> so, yes, this creature is undead. And uh, basically, Kius was known as an elder evil, which were ancient entities with the power to rival demigods. But as far as I know, altogether mortal, uh, or at least of origin. And uh, okay. he, he is also known as the worm that walks. And But we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. And he himself was prophesied to bring forth what was known as the Age of Worms, where undead would rise and destroy the world. That might be the most metal age I've ever heard. Age of Worms. <laughs> the Age of such Worms. such a good name. Yeah. And um, while he was in this position of high priesthood and necromancy, he would plunder and exhume corpses from necropolises and conduct horrific rites on them. And even after his supposed death, his mad disciples continue his work. Now, these spawns that he creates through these rites uh, are meant to be expressions of Orcus' primary goal, which is to replace all life with undeath. And if left alone, these spawns will wander aimlessly, but should they stumble upon a living creature, they attack with the sole intent of creating more spawns. And if left unchecked, Spawns can spread at an exponential rate. These are your zombie apocalypse. Okay. I immediately was thinking tribbles, but I get it. Yeah, what? I see where you're coming from. What's a tribble? Uh, it's a little furry ball from Star Trek that just oh. self-replicates. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Uh, there is some self-replicating uh, themes in this creature, but uh, generally it's about the spread from host to host. So, gotcha. from a distance, in and of course in poor lighting conditions, these spawns appear as normal everyday zombies. You know, like the ones that that like just walk down the street, right? The normal everyday ones. Um, yep, the normal everyday zombies. Right, complete with green worms crawling in and out of their orifices, except that the worms in these spawns and these zombies aren't your normal everyday worms that you normally see, you know, walking down the street. And um, when you get too close, said worm will leap from the spawn and burrow into your flesh. And once burrowed, 
it will penetrate your brain and kill you and reanimate your body. And Isn't there a tree that does that? <laughs> a tree that that are you talking about just when when like the chestnuts fall and smack you in the head when you're cycling without your helmet? Uh, I think there's a tree that it's like seeds fall off, and then when like ants eat them, it it possesses the ants and has them climb to the top of the tree, and then like flowers bloom from the ants' head. Oh, that's gnarly. I don't know anything about that, but I want to. <laughs> I want to know more. <laughs> I know there are insects that like take over other insects' bodies and use them as as like controlled zombies. They like inject yeah. them with a, some sort of like paralyzing fluid and then like tap into their brain literally like they'd like bite into it or something and and then they just like ride it around and use its body and like you know choose where it goes and what it does it's really creepy crazy that is that is not great no it's not <laughs> are you uncomfortable are you are you uh, are you itching oh. yet <laughs> uh no i'm okay okay um it's it is a fungus that does it oh it is uh wait maybe uh yeah so there's zombie ants that are carpenter ants that have been infected by a specific paras a uh, parasitic fungus Ophiocordycipes unilateralis. Let's move on very quickly. <laughs> Definitely the right pronunciation. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh okay, moving on. <laughs> Google it, listeners. Yeah, you'll you'll learn something. Um, it's in one of the planet Earths. That's how I know. Oh, is it? it? Okay. It's been a while since I watched those. Right. Well, let's get back to it. Um, the uh, spawn of Kius is born, and the zombie serves as a breeding ground once it's managed to reanimate your body, of course. And the breeding ground just is for more and more and more worms. Of course, it just keeps. Uh, reproducing and it fills this body and we have a couple direct quotes from volo's guide uh uh normally there's only the one but we've got two here we've got one from elminster which is some worms are good eating not these that's it (laughs) (laughs) and then we have thanks yeah thanks and we also have one from volo uh kius has a lot to answer for sometimes you eat the worm and sometimes it eats you now, I know I don't live in a, you know, high medieval fantasy world or anything, but I've never eaten a worm that I know of, so I don't know where Volo's coming from exactly. But, but, but all right, I get it. Oh, I mean, they're I've I don't think I've ever eaten a worm, but they're they're supposedly like good, clean protein. If you ever yeah. absolutely need to need to uh, eat bugs, like ants can be hit or miss. Mm. Um, for like parasites and stuff, but like apparently worms are, I think, holy shit, there are a lot of caveats going into the sentence. I think worms are almost <laughs> always a safe bet. Right. Okay. Uh, fair enough. E- except for those giant ones by Chernobyl, right? You're just going to be careful of those ones. If you're lost near Chernobyl, you're fucked to begin with. <laughs> the worms are the least of your problems. Getting some protein yeah, is how, the least of your problems. Isn't that still like a blocked off military site? I, like, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm very sure it is. Um, so, uh, as creepy as, uh, these, uh, these worms and these, these spawns, these zombies are, that's not even the creepiest part because what is probably more disturbing is that the soul of the victim of these worms remains trapped inside the body. 
it's not able to move to the afterlife after death and is unable to be oh. raised or resurrected unless the body is destroyed. And, Interesting. And the horror of the soul being imprisoned in an undead body causes the spawns to go insane. Now, this is a, a strange claim I find because, you know, the spawn, as we'll, we'll come to read, is uh, or the worms themselves are basically a hive mind that keeps the body animated. So... It, the body itself doesn't have its mind anymore. So the hive mind and the soul, I guess, maybe the mind of the soul, or perhaps one or the other, or perhaps both, go insane. So we've got these worms that burrow into you, eat your brain, reanimate your body, trap your soul, and somehow it's all gone bonkers as well. And that is a, a terrifying zombie apocalypse, if you ask me. It's a very, very terrifying... It makes me think fast zombies. They gotta be fast zombies. <laughs> They're not the meandering ones. I guess, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot happening there. There's a lot of bad bad things. A lot of a lot of decisions have gone wrong in your life. <laughs> yep. Um, it it's hard for me to reconcile a soul going insane. I understand what mm. they're getting at. Um. But just as somebody who who doesn't have like a like a working concept of what a soul is, yeah, it's, it's a little difficult for me to get that's behind. That's a that's a bit more of my interpretation though, because I did write it down here as the spawns go insane. But I had a hard time wrapping my head around that too, um, because of the hive mind aspect, which is not included in the five E lore, because that's the end of our five E lore here. Uh, it's pretty short and sweet. Um, but it got me thinking because of some of the extra stuff that I found. And in particular, we're going to look at Dragon Magazine issue number 336, page 60. And there'll be a little bit of information scattered in here from a book called The Elder Evils. I wonder if it's like a venom and carnage thing. Like you've got two two drivers in the same same mm. vessel, and that's why one of them goes insane. Maybe. Like, maybe you die, but the soul is keeping the brain active of the body. Um, but the the hive mind wormy guys are, are the ones pulling the strings. Well, one of the key things of these is that the brain is destroyed. It's the first thing it gets destroyed. It's not there. Oh, the hive okay. mind acts gotcha. as a replacement brain. So uh, that's why I went, well, maybe the soul goes crazy. No idea. But uh, Dragon Magazine had lots of these lovely sections called the, I don't know if they were called the ecology sections, but you know, that's what I'm calling it. There was always the ecology yep. of said creature, and we were lucky enough to have one for these guys. Um, because th these guys go right back to first edition, uh, which uh, I think oh, is great. This is, this is some true blue original D&D um, &D stuff. In fact, uh, take a look at the artwork that I sent you. The first image is just... Is, just looks like a couple zombies with worms in them. Pretty straightforward. Same with the the next one, uh, which is the uh, 3E artwork. It's a rather creepy zombie. Very emaciated. Yeah, the 3E one's a little tough to, to stomach. Yeah. 4E's also pretty horrible. It looks like something that's extremely fast and aggressive. <laughs> it's, the teeth on it are crazy. Yeah. And the 5E artwork is, is a depiction of like... It's meant to be a depiction of three different spawns, essentially. One that's like kind of, you know, hidden in the shade. It just looks like a figure. One that just looks like a carnival. You can kind of see the green in its eyes. And another one where worms are just spilling out of out of it, just from every every bit. You can't even see its face, its chest, 
it's coming out of its legs and its feet. Like there's just worms everywhere, which is just disgusting. Yeah. So I, I grabbed the, um, well, while you were describing the first image there, I grabbed our copy of uh, the, the monster ecologies from dragon magazine and spawn is in the collected version. And there is just this banner image that is metal as hell. Oh, no way. Yeah, so we, we do have a copy of that. It is, uh, we'll, we'll link to that as well. Sweet. The, uh, the, the Dragon Magazine Monster Ecologies collected work. Cool. Um, so let's get into what Dragon Magazine had to say here. Um, and the Elder Evils book. So it expands a bit more in Kyus. Makes him a little more interesting, in fact. He wasn't just a high priest and necromancer. He was actually the ruler of an empire before what is known in the world as, quote, modern civilization. And he was clearly extremely skilled at the creation of undead. And when he vanished into, quote, parts unknown, I'm going to do this a lot, he left behind his whole empire of the dead. And the worm that walks is something that seems to be its own entity, separate but connected to Kyus, or perhaps more accurately, a transformation of Kyus himself. So the general idea is that Kyus was exiled by his contemporaries, probably for committing horrific acts, and he found uh, some ruins of a dead civilization and decided to settle down and rule as a god-king. Uh, so he had basically these priests and cultists and worshippers come through and then helped him conduct all these rituals and probably raise a whole bunch of undead. But eventually, he ended up killing everybody, including all of his followers. And he conducted a massive ritual that had him ascend and fall from divinity in the same moment and eternally bound him to the ruins as the worm that walks. And the worm that walks is a 30-foot-tall giant composed entirely of a mass of worms and maggots and psychically imprinted with Kiyus's being. And I shared okay, a picture I, of that I, with you, you as well. I, I, <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah. Just I, gonna, I loved everything <laughs> right up until that last little bit there. But that image is awesome. It's so cool. <laughs> He's like a giant Oogie Boogie from the Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> Except all yeah. the worms are just spilling out. That's just like his arm. He's just like attacking this watchtower. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Do we have a stat block for that? No. God, no. <laughs> okay. Um, this is the sort of thing you would probably just never encounter. It's just part of legend and history. Um, I mean, it is a stat block for Orcus. So. That's fair, but uh, that that being said, uh, it's the here's actually here's probably a good reason. Um, the spawns uh, that were first discovered in in the lore were by a group of adventurers that explored a piece of what's known as the Rift Canyon, which is in the Greyhawk setting. And oh, gotcha, yeah. And so we've got, uh, and this area became eventually became known as the Worm Crawl Fissure because of the amount of spawns inside, essentially. So it's believed to be Q's original seat of power. Uh, and at the very least, it was just, you know, discovered to be completely infested by these spawns. And uh, not long after these spawns started appearing in other regions of the world, and especially in large urban areas, because cultists started worshipping him again and purposely spread the infestation believing that Kyus had not actually died, but ascended to some sort of godhood. And they believed it was their duty to spread the spawn in preparation for his imminent return and the coming apocalyptic age of worms. That's crazy. Yeah. So, 
Uh, Terrorists. So in in trying to create undeaths yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like there's actually, at least in the in the the Dragon Magazine article, there is stats to become like a cleric of Kyus. It looks like. Yeah, I've I've got notes on that actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, shut my fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, James, shut your fucking mouth. Look, when I what stop trying to read ahead like I did. Like, stop trying to show off. <laughs> Wish. <I. laughs> um, and here's what I really love is it, the the Dragon Magazine goes into some nitty gritty stuff regarding the worms themselves. Um, so the worms have a strict symbiotic relationship between the decaying body and themselves. And the worms voraciously gnaw and chew and feed on the decaying flesh, but the body regenerates just as fast. And so this symbiotic relationship makes it, you know, pretty obvious why they're able to just sort of exist without having to feed on something or spread. So they can just sit in one spot and not spread everywhere and still survive. They just keep going in, in this cycle. And in theory, the host body's regeneration would dramatically increase should the worms be removed, but it has been proven that ultimately either will die or be destroyed without the other. So the worms will actually live a few minutes once removed, uh, but the body will just not remain animated at all if the worms are removed. So it sort of implies that somehow the worms grant this regeneration. Wow. Although not explicitly explained. Here's a little tidbit I love. A worm placed in a potion of gentle repose will lie dormant indefinitely. <laughs> just, okay. Just little bits of detail, you know? It's like the, the bark-eating horse. <laughs> you know, it's just... <laughs> it's, it's great. I love it. So someone just thought, oh, what, what if? What if you put one in a, bo- a potion of gentle repose? Someone thought of that and put it, it published it. I love it. Uh, and they actually included a picture... Big shout out to James Jacobs. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they actually put a picture of a, a potion with one of the worms in it. So that's in the doc here, and it will definitely be on the Instagram. Um, Excellent. The, uh, if, a, if a worm... So people, of course, were testing these worms uh, as they were found. Um, if given contact with living flesh, the worm will, quote, enter a state of violent excitement. Its razor-sharp teeth are set in concentric circles inside its throat. So it then prolapses about half its length and then twists and writhes with such ferocity that it can drill through flesh and bone alike with again, quote nauseating swiftness. The worm can feel the transmissions of pain sent by the brain and instinctively follows the nervous system to the brain feeding on the final thoughts and transmissions of horror and pain. The victim soon dies. Wow. (laughs) Uh, so, from there, the worm begins feeding and re- and reproducing asexually at uh, an unnaturally fast pace. And once the skull becomes too full of worms, they, of course, burst from the mouth and eyes, consuming flesh and organs throughout the body. As a This is where the hive mind comes in. As a hive mind that replaces the brain, the worms retain a corrupted fragment of the host's original intellect. Not memories, but intelligence. And it's just enough to give the spawn enough cunning to spread its infestation. Yeah. yeah. I, okay, I see what you mean now. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot there to go insane. Right. Yeah. So, a little flip-floppy. The 5e claim of that is not really 
backed up by anything and i couldn't really find any other information that that supported it either so you know just trying right. to trying to rack my brain around it and and uh and apologize for it i guess <laughs> <laughs> Um, there were favored spawns of Qs, they were called. Uh, they're basically worms were sometimes, were sometimes gifted to devoted fanatics, and they could become very powerful versions of uh, these spawns. And in Dragon Magazine, you, you'll probably want to read this. I've, I've left it a few things here. There's actually a really cool um, story. I highly recommend people go to go to read it. Uh, we'll have it. We'll have it linked in our description, of course. Um, and because uh, there's lots of archived uh, PDFs and stuff online, and um, it, it starts with this really cool uh, tell it, retelling of um, of uh, the first discovery, and there was like a warrior who was known as like so and so the reader, and he always like you know uh, recorded all of the events of of his like you know uh, band of of warriors, and um, it it, uh, it goes into this crazy detail of what he recorded last, and it's so creepy. Uh, so it's well worth a read. I, I thought about reading it, but I was like, it's just a bit too much. Everyone should go go read that. It's really cool. And then the uh, these favorite spawn of cues that gives an actual breakdown, like classic three E breakdown of like how to make your own and add these things to the stat block. And um, and they give an example, and it's a mastiff spawn. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and like they talk about how spawns don't have they can be basically of any size. Um, uh, and uh, any any kind of like living creature, which uh, we'll cover a little bit in the five D stat block, because oh boy, we get some issues there. But um, the uh, <laughs> and uh, alongside the massive example, like I said, yeah, they they have uh, instructions on how to create your own. Um, and uh, this is specifically not reflected in the five E mechanics. Um, it's very much three E, and I think it's three E, not three point five, where all this came out. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it implies there are many types of varying power that could become spawns across the board. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But that's uh, that's your lore. That is your spawn of Qs lore. How do you feel? Um, I did not realize how much I disliked the word prolapse until today. But, <laughs> uh, right. Above and beyond that, I. I feel pretty good. That's not a great word. I don't. I don't care for that. It's a. It's a very, very. Uh, you got to take it with a very. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very sterile medical point of view, <laughs> in order for it to mm-hmm. not feel dirty. But even then, it still feels a bit dirty. <laughs> yeah, I just. I don't care for the mouth feel of it. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> Prolapse. It's not. A, it's not, it's not a, one of my favorite words. Uh, it's right up there with moist, isn't it? <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess I kind of feel I feel good about it. It's um, it's a, it's an interesting take on undead that we haven't seen before. Mm. Uh, I like the fact that the undeath is spread by this physical living conduit. That's that's pretty interesting. Mm. Unless I missed something there. No, the worms I, I themselves, the worms themselves are, are actually undead. No, they are. The worms themselves are undead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which uh, yeah, it's not in there, but I, I think it comes up in the stat block. Uh, but yeah, gotcha. if it, if it doesn't, then that I that I can assure you that is the case. Um, yeah, the worms themselves are also undead. Okay. So uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 a cool take. I think mm-hmm. we we don't often see some. I mean it's it's interesting to see undeath spread through a a physical uh, physical means, right? Uh, as opposed to like a bacterial, um, right? Yeah, uh, infection. Like I guess it's normally a parasite or a bacterial infection these days in the movies, but this mm-hmm. is this is like. 
a visible manifestation of that. Yeah. It's, it's neat. And I think on occasion you might see in some pop culture where it's like a, a somehow it's a curse that can be spread. Not dissimilar to like that's a different type of zombie. Is yeah, so it's like not not it's like somewhere like treading that line of of uh, lycanthropy and stuff, right? Where it's like yeah, it can be spread via your blood, but it, technically it's a curse, not an actual bacterial infection, um, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, that's rather uh, the infection those, those itself is zombies. is curse. Yeah, curse on the blood or something. Um, yeah, we're we're not qualified to talk about that. Certainly stuff. not. No. <laughs> But uh, imagine, imagine, just imagine the zombie Staplock. Uh, it would be so simple, but it would be such a hard episode to do. You know, it would just be so much there. Um, yeah, I agree. I think yeah, it, I think it's really I, neat. I don't know how much there would be there. I think zombies are a more modern creation. I mean, yeah. undeath itself and the Walking Dead aren't right. But zombies themselves, yeah, uh, the mindless undead. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It, it would be diff- it would be difficult to separate the the cultural lore between that and ghouls and ghasts because they're all yeah. very similar. Yeah, totally. We've already covered whites, which is more or less in that category. Um, mm. Did we cover anything else that's similar to zombies? I don't think we have quite yet. We've done more Fuck. incorporeal I stuff. Know, I man. think this is Banshee. episode sixty-two. <laughs> I thought you had them all memorized. <laughs> Oh. I barely remember what our first and second episode were. I always remember those ones, but I, I, I don't remember what comes after them. <laughs> it was Harpies and no, the Yeti. No, I don't know either. But after yeah. that, I don't remember what we did. <laughs> no, I think Treance might be number oh, three. Oh, Treance was definitely number three, yeah, because that one went Anyway, so just much... go look through the feed. Why are, you, why are we even talking about this? <laughs> I don't know. You started it, I think. <laughs> um, why are we talking? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of the undead, uh, let's segue to the thing that will probably eventually kill me. Beer. Beer. (laughs) Jinx. Uh, Big thank you to our unofficial, unprompted, and unrecognized sponsor, Strange Fellows, and their delicious, delicious black milk stout. This is my first beer in almost a week, and uh, I'm... I'm really looking forward to it. I didn't think I was going to be because I, 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 I haven't been feeling great, but mm. I'm fucking am I looking forward to this. Black Mail Stout is one of those beers, even when you're like, you're just, you're all stuffed up and or you're recovering from the flu or something like that. It just kind of makes you feel better. It just, just makes you feel better. It's a, it's, it does. it's like the best kind of cough syrup, <laughs> but it, it doesn't <laughs> taste anything like cough syrup, guys. <laughs> I promise you that. <laughs> And yet, alcohol will probably have me shambling into an early grave. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I wonder if our listeners think we're alcoholics. I mean, the liquor store where I buy them certainly does. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great times. <laughs> yeah. Well, some very very questioning eyebrows in that <laughs> shop. Um, let's talk. Stat block. Ooh, that was a good rhyme. I didn't even mean to do that. What CR do you suspect for zombie apocalypse spreading machine? Um, because it's the 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 device through which the apocalypse is spread, I'm gonna say low. Since it's just a fiesta of worms, so I'm imagining it's just a swarm, uh, I'm gonna say even lower and aim for two. Prepare to be surprised in a way we are not often surprised. It is a CR5 creature. 
let's let's dig into it before I recognize that as its official CR. I don't feel like that's accurate. Surely. Uh, can do. Uh, they are speedy zombies. Speed of 30. Tell you that much. AC 10. So not terribly um, agile or evasive, I guess. Uh, they do have a 76 HP, which is not low. I mean, CR 5, so it's not oh, high. Maybe. But uh, generally medium creatures. So that it just specifies medium because uh, this whole step block assumes hu- a humanoid um, infestation, essentially. And uh, they are, right. of course, undead, chaotic evil. Uh, they understand the languages they knew in life but cannot speak, and they have the usual, or a couple of the usual, like, undead uh, immunities and stuff. So immune to poison uh, damage, immune to poison condition and exhaustion conditions. They have dark vision, very low passive perception of eight. Uh, they do have a, a boost to their wisdom uh, saving throws, though. So they get a plus one for that. Um, and the reason it's only plus one is because their static wisdom is a seven with a minus two. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, a reasonable boost there. Uh, come um, come back to me on it, but I think I might take issue with that alignment. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the they have a decent strength, so they have sixteen strength um, with a plus three. They get a plus zero to dex, plus four to con, uh, minus three to intelligence, minus two to wisdom, minus four to charisma, which all more or less adds up to your your on average undead, I would say. Um, you know, uh, but we're not talking about your average. Undead. Well, your average, your average undead with a high undead body on the battlefield. Which is why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They are I don't not care for that intelligence modifier, though. Well, they, they or the wisdom. Pick, pick one. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably why they gave the boost to the saving throw at the very least. Um, but these things are, are, I think, are meant to be. They're meant to be single-minded and erratic. Uh, they are certainly not thinking creatures. Don't mistake hive mind with intelligence by any any stretch of the imagination, right? Um, so okay. their abilities. First ability, regeneration. They gain 10 HP well, okay. at the start of their turn if at least one HP is remaining and it isn't in sunlight or in a body of running water. Tropes that I really, really, really get annoyed by. Um, <laughs> if, uh, just, just, I don't, I don't understand it. It's just, just leave it alone. It's a, it's a dumb part of historical lore. <laughs> It just that doesn't make any sense. Uh, if uh, uh, I actually kind of like the running uh, water, I knew you would. I, well, I think we've discussed this before on mic or off. I'm not sure. The run, what? I don't. Uh, well, I mean, how does running water stop you from regenerating? Because, it, uh, because if if it's in a body of running water, so that water's running past it, pulling worms out of the corpse. So I like it. Okay, I'll I'll give you that one. Uh, there are definitely yeah, are other creatures uh, in Five E that that have that that weakness as well, but it has nothing oh, to do with yeah. worms and it's yeah, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you're, you that one. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah. That was I mean, a much more case, logical like approach. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't care for the sunlight. I don't understand that, but the, yeah, the, the, I'm sure that's probably just a curse of, of from mm. Hughes or whatever, but to be like, honest, running water, I guess it's probably just wizards attempt to like, make sure this thing is a CR five and not higher. <laughs> Cause if you just remove those, it might be more powerful. Because there's fewer things stopping its regeneration. That's so. that's gonna be one of the harder things be about the it. Same as a troll. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and speaking of that, uh, if the spawn takes acid, fire, or radiant damage, the regeneration does not function at the start of its next turn. All right. So. So it's worse than a troll. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the spawn is only destroyed if it starts with zero HP and does not regenerate at at zero HP as well. They worded that kind of funny to sound like 
the one HP remaining was a requirement, but then n null and void in the latter half. But I think I interpreted it wrong at the at the at the at the get go. Um, but yeah, if it's if the regeneration right. is so this thing doesn't actually die until its next turn, right? It's, it's got to it, hit if it hits zero HP, it's dead support. regardless. The regeneration doesn't mean anything. That's the weird part. It's got to have yeah. regeneration only works if it has one HP remaining and all of these other caveats attached to it. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's fine. Not not necessarily a hard kill, but it, it you know depending on the dice roll, it could just keep regenerating and, and giving you a, a real hard time. This next ability is simply called Worms. So if the spawn is targeted by an effect that cures disease or removes curses, all of its infestation worms wither away, and it loses its burrowing worm action, which we'll cover in a moment. All of the worms? All of them. So cure disease or remove curse so effect of any kind will just simply destroy this creature. If you hit this thing with... Okay, that's wild. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. I mean... I don't know where uh, those spells land on the the old uh, spell list, especially for clerics and whatnot, but I'm sure they're not like, super high. You might be at level 5 using one of your higher spell slots, but it's basically an insta-kill, which is pretty alright, I would say. Yeah. Uh, also, I think remove curse is pretty high, but I don't think remove disease is that high. Any, uh, uh, I'll I'll look it up. You you keep going. Um, it's so attacks. It's got multi attack, two claw attacks, and burrowing worm, in one go. Uh, so a plus six to hit, one d six plus three slashing, plus two d six necrotic. So it's hitting pretty hard. You're looking at three d six plus three, assuming you're not resistant to any any of these damages, plus the burrowing worm, which we'll cover right now. Um, a worm launches from the spawn at one humanoid. Yeah. I say humanoid that the spawn can see within 10 feet. DC 10 dexterity saving throw. Oh, the worm attaches to the target skin. Pretty low dex uh, save DC for that. And while attached, the worm can destroy can be destroyed by normal means uh, or scraped off with a standard action. The worm itself is a tiny undead and has an AC of 6, 1 HP, speed of 1 foot. Probably the lowest speed we've seen so far. <laughs> and uh, every ability yep. score is at a 2 with a minus 4. So, individually, they ain't nothing. Uh, at the end of the target's next turn, the worm burrows under the skin, dealing 1 piercing damage. So, you know, when it comes to your turn, you have the chance to just brush it off with a standard action, if you like. Uh, and then at the end of each turn after that, it deals 2d6 necrotic per infestation. Sorry, per infesting worm. If the target oh, cool. reaches zero HP while infested, the worms reanimate the corpse in 10 minutes. Burrowed worms are still affected by effects the uh, like cure disease and remove curses whilst on your person. Uh, so that can just instantly stop this uh, this happening as well. So you get an interesting order okay. of operations there. Launches onto you, you get a dex save. Then it, if you fail it, it attaches to you, and then... Uh, you can just simply, someone, anyone can just simply attack it by normal means, uh, or you could just scrape it off. But if no one does that by the end of your next turn, it burrows, does dealing one piercing damage, and then continues to do 2d6 until, well, until someone manages to cure disease or remove curse, pretty much. So once it's in, 
you're in trouble. Um, it doesn't really specify if it can be attacked uh, while it's under your skin or if there's a particular method to pull it out. Um, there's a lot of things to stop it from getting in. So I'd be, I'd almost be on the side of once it's in, you're, you're kind of screwed unless you can manage to keep healing 2d6 necrotic damage every six seconds until you get one of these cure disease remove curse effects but good luck with that yeah that's that's pretty aggressive Mm -hmm. um so i i just looked it up uh so a cleric of second level uh can cast uh lesser restoration which essentially acts as remove disease Mm -hmm. or a, a cleric of third level can cast lesser restoration which acts as cure disease and a cleric of uh fifth level can cast or move curse okay however a first level paladin has access to lay on hands mm. where if you expend five hp from your pool you can just neutralize one disease or poison okay just because if you're going to run an undead campaign paladins and clerics are going to be necessary <laughs> uh, yeah. pretty wild <coughs> uh that's cool that's uh, good which to know. would be the paladin's whole pool at level one right still Still, that's a wide, oh, that's a good wide no, range. Of, never mind. Of options. No, the oh, the caveat on this is this feature has no effect on undead or constructs. Interesting. Oh. So maybe lay on hands wouldn't work. No kidding. Does it, I wonder if it? I wonder if it comes in, uh, to effect at a higher level. Maybe it. Maybe it works. Maybe not. Oh, probably, yeah. but probably well after third level for the cleric. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting too here is that uh, I, I can imagine a, a player arguing and uh, playing a paladin when they when they manage to. Uh, get their um, uh, immunity to disease. They might argue against these worms being able to burrow, but they themselves are not a disease per se. Um, so, a bit of a gray area there. Yeah, because they're not a disease. They're a parasite in my mind, mm-hmm. even though, right. you know, cure yeah. disease does it, but it's, it's still, uh, I would say no. Mm. But Yeah, but you love killing characters. <laughs> I do. I really do. And I do see the argument. I think there's some validity there, but I think I think paladins are actually specifically not well suited to fight these creatures. Mm. Might be interesting. Well, other I mean, other than the fact that they they're going to be able to, to deal things like radiant damage, although it doesn't have any weaknesses to that, yeah. it will stop regeneration and all that stuff. So they they will definitely play their part. Yeah, yeah, but not not like a cleric would right. just yeah. snuff it out of existence like in in one go. Yeah, pretty wild, eh? Yeah. Um. So as you were saying earlier, uh, Dragon Magazine uh, did offer up uh, the opportunity to create one of these creatures uh, for a player, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, you could use the Create Undead spell to do it, but there were some caveats. Uh, you had to be an evil cleric, and you had to be at least 15th level. So you're not doing it right out of the, out of the gate. No way. And uh, you must cast a spell over a grave of a killer who was buried without a coffin in unhallowed ground. Very specific. And you can replace the 250 gold onyx gem material component requirement. Again, this is 3E. With a preserved or living worm of one of these, if you happen to have one. Uh, Which, again, I love. Because they had the gentle repose potion with the worm sitting in it. So, like, that could be of value to somebody uh, for this particular ritual. And then once it's cast on the grave, it, quote, blooms with worms and maggots. And the spawn of Qs is created. I want to play an evil party so bad one day. <laughs> there's a, there's a, I know there's a, a classic evil campaign from Pathfinder First Edition that I think is pretty popular. I'd love to like, convert it or something. That'd be fun for sure. Yeah. 
that maybe maybe Paizo will release one for Chewie. Um, I they will for sure. Yeah. Now among there was a number of differences uh, between the three E mechanics and five E in particular, uh, and uh, but most of them lined up. Um, I think the CR was more or less the same even. Um, but uh, there was one particular thing in, uh, that stood out from three E, and it's reflected in that story I, I talked about about that that warrior um, and his group uh, finding them for the first time. And they have a fear aura. So just being in their presence was likely to make you terrified and, and flee. Oh. Neat. Mm. And here's something I really loved. I'm not going to go through it in full detail, but there was a, a chart in the Dragon Magazine. Again, I'll post this on Instagram. And uh, it is a, a breakdown of... Uh, DC levels for uh, recalling knowledge on these creatures. So using religion, of course, to to sort of understand more about them as you see them, you know, and, and they basically just set levels at 10, 15, 20, 25, and 30. Whatever one you happen to hit, you you get that information and everything below it. Uh, and uh, I love that. I, I wish more things like that were included with with actual stat blocks. Uh, and um, just, to, just to give a little more support to, to the DM, something to quickly reference. And, um, yeah, so like a DC 10, some, it's, it just simply says some zombies are just plain harder to kill than others. You can tell the really tough ones by the worms that infest them. Their wounds close up as fast as you can hack them apart. You know, that's, that's some great info and that's the lowest one. So, uh, the more you go in, the more you is, is shown to you like using, uh, spells, uh, for curses and diseases, um, to get rid of them. That's like the 25 DC and, and so on and so forth. So I really love that sort of little concept and I wish it was used more. Uh, it's a sort of thing you can build for yourself as well, but it, it does take a lot of work to sort of break it down in a, in a balanced way so that it feels like the lower results, you know, gives a hint, but it's not too much. And then the more important facts come through, uh, the higher you get. Yeah, and it's much easier to just be like, all right, what, what do you want to know? Resistances, immunities, right? Like yeah. What, what, and you can tag that like on top, so much right? Faster. Um, like, yeah. like what you have this here is, is really poetic and gives you information that you have to decipher. <clears throat> right. Yeah. It gives you like some lore attached to it, and then it gives you some stuff like you know you can use this spell, but it doesn't tell you it's immune to poison. You know, uh, it doesn't go out of his way to do that, and that's something that players could request. You know, I want to know its immunities on top of this said information from this this uh, this chart. That's how I would operate anyway. Just really give them right. more to work with uh, in a really cool way. So I'm a big fan. Okay. So like this, like the, the one you read is like the baseline for 10, but if they hit an 11 or a 12 or a 13 or a 14, you'll give them a piece of information. Sure. Yeah. In addition to that. Could do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I why like not? That. Yeah. You can play with it. Why not? Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty much the stat block. Uh, as far as homebrew goes, uh, I didn't really say it, uh, but I, I heavily implied it. Uh, burrowing worm only attacks uh, humanoids. Nope, not okay with that. Uh, forget that. I'm going after the ranger's pet. Are you kidding? <laughs> that's uh, that's no bueno. Uh, any living creature by the lore um, is uh, including five E, I think. But regardless, any living creature with a brain and or nervous system following that lore is how I would roll this. Um, and like, of course, you're looking at creating your own stat block if you need to. Uh, for these other creatures, but you know, assuming it's it is the ranger's wolf pet, it wouldn't be too hard to just swap out a number of the a number of the functions in the stat block to make it legit. Um, so yeah, that's uh, 
That's how I feel about that. Not, not much to say on there, but I just, it really bothers me that they specified humanoids in the stat block. And it's like, it's the burrowing worm. It's the worm itself. It's not, not the whole entities, not the, the animated corpse. It's the worm burrows into any humanoid nearby. And like, no, it's, it's a living creature. That's what it should say. It should, it should have had a little more to it. Uh, and that's how, that's what I would change and how I would run it. Right. Um, I would, I would actually change the burrowing worm effect itself, uh, so that it only de dealt one d six necrotic damage. Mm. Um, but I would change it to instead of one worm, it would be one d four worms. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'd have you'd have multiple, uh, spread out at the same time. But would you have? Would you? Yeah. Would you do four deck saves? How would you operate that deck save portion with multiple worms? Uh, I'd probably do it tiered. So, like, if it's, you know, if, if there's four, uh, you know, uh, 20 or higher. Right. Or, you know, 15 or higher, all four of them don't make it in. Or, right. You know, 10, it, or 10 or lower, you know, only two of them make it in or, or what have you, depending on the role. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. You know, and I just have a little little chart, little breakdown for me. Like, you know, if you roll a 10 or higher, only half of them make it in. Mm -hmm. Like, make the deck say pretty easy. Mm -hmm. But also... You've got two fucking worms in you that are going to be doing two d six every every turn, and at you know at fifth level players can handle that. Yeah, that shouldn't be too much of a big deal. Yeah, um, and I'd allow them to try and cut themselves uh, cut them out like in the Mummy with Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. I, I actually th I had thought about that. I thought it was a little bit lame that uh, the claw claw and only a single worm. If you I mean you're looking at a five e artwork, there's no way only a single worm is going to leap. There are so many yeah. of them, right? Uh, so it could it could depend from spawn to spawn, but uh, but I definitely had thought about that as well, and I and I like that you went there. Like you know, if it's burrowing uh, under your skin, you know, you have until it hits your brain or something like that. Uh, however you want to play that. Uh, once you get really low in health, um, it's it's now untraceable or something because it's more likely hit your brain. Um, but yeah, yeah, being able to cut it. So out its speed is totally. one foot. So I'd probably give you three rounds before this thing hits your brain. Mm. Maybe two. Yeah. Probably. I mean, depends on who I'm playing with. Yeah. Like if I if I was playing real aggressive, it would be two rounds. Yeah. Um, if I'm trying to be nicer and I don't want to kill my players, it'd be three rounds. Yeah. You know, one round it goes in. Second round it moves one feet. Third round it moves one feet. Fourth at the beginning of the fourth round it hits your brain yeah you can no longer cut it out so yeah i'd also thought about that too it's like just, just tear it in rounds instead of doing instead of doing actual damage but i mean if you get clawed clawed and this thing jumps on you and manages to get in your skin and you haven't really got much in the way of healing you're not going to last much more than that anyway especially that 2d6 on top of that like that's a just, just a lot of damage you're going to get yeah I, 3d6 plus I, 3 I, twice I in a row and then this like oof yeah so I I, th I think it's just more like it's you know it is what it is, but I I just think the way with you know one d four worms, you have three rounds to cut it out, uh, starting the round that they go in. Hmm. Um, I just think it's more thematic. I don't think it's any more dangerous. Right. Um, yeah. You know the tier deck save could be more dangerous, but like DC ten is such a bullshit deck save. It is so so very so. low. Yeah. But I mean, it, I like actually if, really if you love your tiered deck save idea there because, like, maybe roll a one d four to see how many jump, and then and then you do the tier because like I get it, like you're just dodging yeah. one single tiny worm. It's probably not that hard, but when there's multiple, it should be harder. Um, and I, I like that idea. I think yeah, it's a really so good solid home know, rule. If you roll a three, it's eighteen DC eighteen to to mix all three, and then you know, 
10 only one attaches and then you know you know you, it it hits you but it doesn't burrow until the next round so mm. you can still kind of you, you still got a round and knock it off yeah um yeah i'm, I, I'm happy I with all that. I, don't, I don't think it's any more dangerous mm-hmm. i don't think it's any less dangerous i just think it's more thematic yeah and then obviously decrease the necrotic inside because 2d6 inside is so oh. much yeah pretty wild oh no at the end of the targets next turn burrs under the skin um yeah it's gotta it's gotta get there it takes a bit to get there yeah okay so i would start the necrotic damage immediately as soon as it burrows so instead okay uh instead of at the end of the target's next turn it would be the beginning of the target's Mm -hmm. next turn so that's when at the beginning of your turn is when the worm would go in um and then then you would start taking 1d6 necrotic and you'd have two rounds to cut it out yeah yeah i mean I think that's totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all, all things aside from the humanoid part, I think the stat block is is pretty all right as is. There's not. I don't really have many major issues with it, but I think those those sort of side grade homebrew ideas you have there, I agree. They they're a little more thematic. They work. They they make a little more sense, and I think that's totally viable. Um, yeah, like if you're using this creature, you're not just you're not just throwing this out there. This is just like, hey, you encounter one of these little woods. Like you're, you're building a set piece around this for yeah. some reason. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why yet, but you know, maybe it's an Orcus campaign or, or you're going to the home of an evil necromancer or mm. a cleric of the death or what, what have you. But there's, there's a reason PCs are encountering this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think by the very nature of their creature, there has to be a larger reason in, in the in the lore and in the world that you're putting it in. Just throwing it in doesn't make a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. to, for it just to be like a random encounter. So I, I think if you're doing that, you're probably thinking about how it's connected to the world and, and that stuff anyway. So if you're doing that work, why not just make the creature more interesting? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, mechanically, it's a side grade. Right. But. Yeah. So uh, is it more or less work for you? Uh, that's That should be your deciding factor. <laughs> Some yeah, people yeah, find that I, easier I, to work I, with I, I, where, versus the other one, right? So. Yeah. And I should say, like, this, this creature is great as is. I don't think it's a CR5, but mm. it's fine. Um, I think it's probably closer to a CR3. This thing is going to get messed up. Yeah. I mean, always, as always, comes down to your party build you know <laughs> yeah and the dice rolls for sure yeah yeah i mean it does hit pretty hard it does hit i hard. guess i guess yeah. i should take that into into effect it does hit hard like if you just scrap the burrowing worm it hits hard it's moving it it's not yeah. it's not shambling it's the 30 foot movement speed and it's it's pretty much guaranteed to attempt to hit you for 66 plus six <laughs> like yeah yeah that's uh no, nothing to scoff at. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it is a CR five, just because it hits that hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I wouldn't say anything else in the stat block. It's that, like that regeneration's such hot shit. Yeah. Like it's a body made of worms. <laughs> like, of course, you're gonna throw acid, fire, radiant. Right. At it. like, it's so obvious. Kill it with fire. <laughs> might as well be the the battle cry of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. I'm slightly disappointed they didn't include like a, a, a swarm of the worms in the stat block or variations or something like that. Uh, but I mean, I, it, it, the worms do rely on on being able to, uh, you know, feed on on a host. Uh, so 
I guess, uh, you know, a swarm that like slowly eats itself almost uh, yeah. and uh, has a limited time uh, before uh, it needs to find a new host. Something like that. But but uh, I'm not going to lose any yeah. sleep over the lack of that. That's for sure. No, and I like it. I, I really do like the I like the, the creature. I like the theming behind mm. it. It'd be um, an interesting one to go with like a really, really trite, um, like niche cliche big bad evil wizard this would be a really cool like mm. uh like like middling boss to kind of throw at the creatures yeah. like like fifth level yeah uh you know like this two of these and then uh like a like a necromancer stat block from the the monster yeah. manual i yeah. think that would be like a really cool fifth level boss i think this would be a really interesting and slightly complicated uh encounter to do like a, a bunch of these in one on like the battlefield like put like five or six of these together at a higher level it would be a lot to like keep track of like the worms and stuff but then you'd almost it would be more interesting you wouldn't you would probably wouldn't feel the need to do 1d4 worms at that point because you have so many so many of them working together at that point and that and then um uh it would be it would be pretty dangerous and of course if you have a cleric they probably have more spell slots to blow on just like you know zapping them down in one in one hit which would just probably make them feel extremely heroic even though the if they're not doing that, the encounter is like you know, especially if, if the group fights one of these and they feel how powerful it is, and then down the line they encounter a group of them, they're gonna feel how dangerous that is, and then they're gonna they're gonna feel that the drama and the the fe- they're gonna have the fear, but then if they start blasting them down with like remove curse in one go on a couple rounds in a row, they're gonna feel really good. Might be a good creature for that. I hear you. Um, I don't think it would be that much work to keep track of all that all that stuff. So, like, mm. what I've been doing lately is I keep I keep a whiteboard next to me and I just write all the players' names on it mm. and I put them in quadrants. Yeah. And then for this, if I was rolling one d four, I would just put a d four in that quadrant. And then, okay. you know, if if only three worms hit them, I would have the three facing up. Right. If only two worms hit them, I'd have the two facing up, and then I'd you know have a d six next to it or whatever a, a, a d2 or something like probably that. important and to note that the whiteboard's not that. on your wall it's, it's <laughs> laying no, no, on the it's, desk it, yeah sorry it's a little it's a little guy it's an eight and a half by 11 like okay. you can do it with index cards yeah. uh, a sheet of paper or what have you and just like set it on your desk next to you and just have your players names and yeah. then like i that i keep track of a lot of uh when when rounds and stuff tick mm-hmm. down like that's how i keep track of it is with a with a d6 yeah. or a d4 or whatever visual cues man they make a big difference yeah, and you know you can like it's your home game. You're you're not mm. doing it for anything, so you can take a minute or two while your players mill about or refresh their drinks or take a piss. Right. So you can count down all your dice depending on how many you have. Like nobody's gonna give a shit. I'm sorry. In Canada, we say rock a piss. Uh, is that... I've never said that in my life. <laughs> is that is that a Canadian thing? I have Do no we... idea. I'm just I'm just I'm just just being okay. a shipper. <laughs> There's your Canadian phrase of the day, listeners. <laughs> Shitbird. Shitbird. <laughs> oh, love it. Uh, I think I think that's it for me, though. You got anything else? Uh, that's it for me. Um, I'm pretty happy with this creature. It was fun. Thanks, Gabe. Yeah, big thanks to those guys at Interparty Conflict again. Make sure you give them a listen and some love. Uh, you know, rate on iTunes. Maybe they'll maybe they'll come back uh, after episode 250 when things settle down a little bit. If if you guys show them enough love out there, uh, if you would like to request a creature from 
if you'd like to request a creature like Gabe and Jeff did, you can find us on patreon.com backslash encounter this. And for $10 a month, you could request any creature from any system you like. It can be 5e, it can be Sailor Moon, it can be Warhammer 40k. We will do our best to figure it out and cover it. And if not, we will at least get hammered as all hell and have a good time doing it. <laughs> Uh, if 10 bucks is too rich for your blood, we totally get it. There's a $5 tier there where you will get a handwritten thank you letter and access to our show notes, the documents that we used to build and record these episodes from. And if even that's too much, you know, for a dollar a month, you can help buy us a cup of coffee and you will have direct access to our private Discord so you can see what's coming up, what's coming down the pipe. If you want to talk to us specifically, if you've got ideas, we are around almost any time, day or night. If you don't feel like giving us any money, and trust me, I totally get it. You can find us on <laughs> Facebook or Twitter at EncounterPod or Instagram at Encounter.Pod. If you are a grammar is what I think the kids are calling people who use Instagram, uh, you you should check it out. There's going to be some amazing art. There's the All of the art for this stuff is very, very Iron Maiden. It's very high contrast, mm. uh, very eddy. It's really, really cool. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, getting to share that with you guys and if uh if you're you're you, if, if you prefer the classics you can always shoot us an email at info at encounter freeman checks that email at least once a day and uh he will direct me to it if it requires my attention uh, if you want to find any of the links to anything we talked about in this episode this uh the dragon magazine monster ecologies collected works the interparty conflict uh episode feed you can find all that and all of our older episodes archived over at encounterthis.ca and uh not to dissuade customers from the one dollar tier but to be fair we both work in hospitality so most of the coffee we drink we don't actually pay for (laughs) that's not true I never drink work coffee. Oh, your coffee sucks over there. Actually, my coffee sucks at the back of yeah, place, too. Never mind. We need coffee, guys. I, I, Help us out. I, I bring a mug of coffee with me to work every morning. Yeah, actually, I've been bringing my uh, French press uh, coffee to work, too. <laughs> so, yeah. We're in dire straits over here. Dollar a month. The moral of this story is restaurants need to get better coffee. Oh, seriously. Come on, guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you so, so much for listening. And we will be back again in two weeks with some other creature. And maybe you can encounter that. (laughs) I hate you.